Hello and welcome to Her Ambitious Career, the success podcast for corporate women who want more from their lives and careers. Each week, we share career and leadership strategies to help you set stretching goals, own your value, build visibility and credibility, gain recognition, get paid and confidently take your career to that next level. Whatever your ambition, let's do this thing. Now, here's your host and career success expert, Rebecca Allen. Hey, welcome on in. It's me, Rebecca Allen. I'm a career success coach for professional women working in corporate environments. And this is episode 17, where we're going to be talking about analysis paralysis and what it's costing your career. Because it is, ladies, it's costing. That overthinking, that stagnation, it is costing you. And I really want to talk about it. I really want to hit it head on. Now, I am fresh back from a little mini break with my gorgeous family. We went up to the Blue Mountains, which is in the north of um, north of Sydney. It's about an hour north of Sydney. And it was one of those delayed trips that we took um, as a result of COVID. You know, we sort of had it booked for July, which for us is sort of Christmas in July. It's cold in Sydney in um, July. And I really kind of wanted this kind of alpine really gorgeous mountainy feel um, over the July period. But um, it got delayed until now. And now it is Christmas. It's genuinely Christmas here. It's December. And we had such a ball. It poured the entire time we were there. <laughs> but we managed to get lots and lots of things done. We, saw, we went to farms. We saw dog shows, we saw dinosaurs in the valley there in the Blue Mountains, and it was just so much fun. We went on the world's steepest railway, which actually was a little bit of a shock to the system. It was almost a vertical drop at one point. Um, my daughters looked um, completely pale as we went hurtling down this um, mountainside, but it was an absolute hoot. So yes, I digress slightly. I just wanted to share that with you, what I've been up to at the weekend. But um, yes, analysis paralysis. We need to talk about analysis paralysis, ladies, because honestly, this is such um, a key barrier for so many for so many of us out there. And I think probably the first thing that we should talk about is, you know, what it is. What is analysis paralysis? So I think always a good way to define something is to look at its counter opposite, right? So the counter opposite for analysis paralysis would be, you know, having a, a healthy way of assessing risk. So you're kind of healthily weighing up the pros and cons. You're looking at it from a very factual, very rational, very logical perspective. And you're kind of doing a pros and cons list and you're trying to work out, you know, what could work and what could potentially go wrong. But it's very factual. It's not emotional at all. It's just very logical. So that for me is a healthy assessment of risk. The opposite end of that spectrum, if you like, is this overly assessed space that we get into and a few different scenarios can happen with analysis paralysis okay so maybe um you know you've moved out of that rational kind of logical assessment of the risk but then what you do is you go down this absolute rabbit warren of fear-based concerns about what could potentially happen what might happen you kind of get wrapped up in all of those crazy scenarios of what if this and then what if that and then what if they say this and then what if they judge me and then what if they see me negatively and then what if my career explodes and you kind of get into that sort of rabbit warren if you like of fear-based concerns and I think the thing is that's interesting about that is you might even kind of connect yourself to situations where 
you know, you've sort of had failures in the past and you say, well, like, you know, last time this is what happened. So that's what's likely to happen this time. And it, you kind of create all these um, fictitious scenarios in your head. And of course, it becomes very overwhelming. Um, and as a result of that overwhelm, then you get that stagnation and you get that paralysis where you, you know, you just can't move. I can't take an action step. It's just too overwhelming. It's way, way too scary. Another situation I think that can happen with analysis paralysis is you overly assess, like you're just data kind of crazy and you overly assess a situation. So you look for every possible outcome. It's not so much fear-based, but it's data-based, right? And you're looking for, um, you sort of plan everything and then you over plan and then you reassess the plan. You work out whether that plan, that first plan was good enough. So you create a new plan and you literally drown in data and you just completely overwhelm yourself with all the potential situations. And I think the problem with that scenario is when that happens, which I think is also quite common, you totally lose track of the original purpose. You totally lose track of the reason that you were doing this in the first place. And because of that, you get sort of stuck in that minutiae, the overwhelm creates that stagnation again, and then you get the paralysis. You get that I can't do anything, I can't move, I can't decide what the right thing is to do. You know, can't see the wood for the trees, essentially. So maybe in there, there was something that really resonated with you. Because I think one of those two scenarios is probably what's happening. You know, it's kind of the fear-based process that you go through, or it's the data-crazy um, kind of process that you're going through. And you're kind of really, really determined to get as much data as humanly possible. Now, the thing is, I think, with this kind of assessment of risk, when it's sort of an unhealthy direction that we go into, is you kind of create no clear path for yourself. And the rumination happens, right? So you have the doubt and then you kind of ruminate about the doubt. You overthink about that doubt a bit more. It creates more doubt. And that fear just creates that cycle where you just get that total inertia, that paralysis, quite literally. You know, when you've uh, you know, been thinking about doing something for so, so long, you know, in your life, you've uh, just been thinking about making this thing happen. And it's 10 years ago I started thinking about this. That is analysis paralysis. And obviously, it doesn't have to be such a long time frame, but that's a, a great example where you've been putting something off and putting something off. And I really want you to think about this in the context of your career today. But obviously, you know, this is a this is a life lesson too. We all kind of put things off in our lives too about you know things that we know need to happen, but they just seem too big and too scary. So I'm going to give you some strategies today to help you start breaking this down. Of course, I am. I'm always about the practical strategies. It's part and, you know, part and parcel of how I do things um, here at Illuminate Personal Growth. But I just want to share a little bit about what's going on in your brain, because I think it's really interesting when we actually understand what's going on under the surface, because once we become kind of consciously aware of how we're doing things, you can almost laugh at yourself and then you get the control back. And I think that's the fundamental thing about working with the um, subconscious mind and working with beliefs and values, things that kind of really drive our behaviors and our decision making. But essentially, the reason why analysis paralysis is happening is because right at the top of your spinal cord is the oldest, oldest part of your brain. And the oldest part of your brain is responsible for keeping you safe. That's literally its whole purpose. So the brain has obviously evolved over time and we've got all sort of different aspects to the brain now. But right at the bottom of the brain, right at the top of the spinal cord, if you like, of the brain stem, that's where we have the oldest part of the brain. And it is all about stopping you from taking risk. 
It does not like it when you go out there and you try something new. It would be so much happier if, you know, you would just stay in bed and not get out of bed because that would be a potential risk. You know, you could fall over and twist your ankle, for example. So it actually would be much happier if you did nothing. So stagnation for this reptilian brain is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's like it's on holiday with its pina colada and it's on the beach and it's super duper happy because it knows you are safe. So it's doing its job so it can relax. What it doesn't like is when you get out of bed and you start trying on new things, trying on a different kind of uh, career opportunity, for example, pushing for more, asking for more because it doesn't have control and it doesn't know what to do. And what if you make a mistake? What if somebody says no? What if you get rejected? You know, all of these kind of potential scenarios, it doesn't want you to feel. It wants you just to feel safe the whole, whole time. But the problem with that, of course, is that if we have that situation, we don't actually live. We don't live our lives, right? We just literally will stay in bed. So it's kind of counterintuitive, this part of the brain. It's sort of stopping us from making progress. But it's there for a reason, right? You know, say, for example, you want to cross the road. It's the part of the brain that says to you, hang on, check, you know, to make sure there's nothing coming because we don't want you to get hit by a car. So there's obviously valuable kind of aspects to this part of the brain. But obviously, there's also pieces of it that cause us these problems, cause us these stagnation challenges and these analysis paralysis challenges that keep us stuck and keep us safe. Now, I do want to talk to you about these costs because there are absolutely costs associated with having this kind of ability or need to assess risk in a really deep analytical way that kind of stops you from moving forwards. And um, yeah, I, I just don't I just don't want you to kind of get into these patterns because that's all they are. They're just patterns. They're just patterns of behavior that have been around and you've got into the habit of listening to the, the, the press, right? <laughs> listening to that part of your brain that's telling you to stay stuck. And only this week, actually, you know, I um, I spoke with a client this week about a situation that she's in. You know, she's she's in her mid forties, um, and she told me she's been putting off moving up into a leadership role for five years. That's five years, five years of her life, five years of her career. That is an awfully, awfully long time. And obviously, there are doubts associated with that. That's you know exacerbating the situation. She's overthinking the situation. Um, you know, analysis paralysis is absolutely at play. Um, another example, actually, I remember I had a client fairly recently also, and she was putting off having this really tough conversation with her boss. Um, you know, the boss was constantly talking over her. Uh, he was constantly um, sharing her IP as his own, and he was constantly micromanaging her. There were kind of all these different things, and she really, really wanted to have this conversation with the boss because she knew it was really stifling her. She knew she wasn't being able to kind of show her best. She knew that, you know, this micromanaging in particular was causing her anxiety um, and also like massive demotivation in her role. But she was really putting off having that tough conversation. She saw it as a tough conversation because this person was quite difficult to deal with. And she was visualizing all these possible outcomes that could happen. You know, her instinct was to visualize all the worst things that were going to happen. You know, this person was going to judge her negatively. This person was going to phase her out. This person was going to fire her. There were all of these things coming up. So that was an example of the first way in which we do analysis paralysis, where we just have all the fear that comes up around it. Um, and there was another one as well that I think is worth sharing. Um, a few years ago, I was working with a client and she was procrastinating about whether or not she should move overseas. 
for a leadership role she was being offered overseas in one of the head offices. She was in a regional office and she was being asked if she wanted to move to one of the head offices. And she she came to me and I remember and she'd analysed all the financials, you know, what were the tax breaks going to be like? How were they going to benefit as a family? Um, she'd analysed, you know, all the kind of bonus structure and how that would differ from her regional kind of role. She'd also done the, some assessments of some local schools because they had three kids and she'd done all these assessments of the school. She couldn't find anything she liked. You know, she was in this kind of panic. She was like, there are no schools in this country. There just are no schools. And of course there were, but she wasn't finding the ones that she wanted. And she had concerns about her new team and what that was going to be like, how she was going to be perceived um, because the outgoing boss had been very popular and she was concerned about, you know, you know, shedding on her toes. And she was just had so many doubts and fears and concerns about she just could not make a decision. And I remember asking her, you know, she kind of said all this stuff. She got all this stuff off her chest. And I remember asking her, what are you waiting to know? Because I think the thing that's interesting about analysis paralysis is you constantly are looking for the one new piece of information that's going to give you that decision-making opportunity. And you're constantly waiting for there to be more information at hand. So you have more control. So you have less fear. And I wanted her to think about what else she needed to understand more deeply to be able to make the decision. So I said that to her, what are you waiting to know? And she thought for a long time, I remember her sitting in my office and she was thinking for a very long time. And she said, I just want to know it's going to be okay. I just want to know it's going to be the right decision. And I think that's it, right? It's the nail on the head because you're never going to know if it's the right decision until you've done it. That's the truth with any decision that we make in life. We're kind of looking to control the situation, to control an outcome, to make sure that we're all safe, right? To make sure that we don't make a mistake. But that's just not realistic. And that's not life. Life is all about experience and about trying things on and trying things on for size. I always like the analogy of going into a shop and trying on a hat, or you could try on a jacket. If you prefer a jacket or a dress, whatever tickles your fancy, but say it's a hat, okay? And you try on the hat and you don't like the hat, so you put the hat back and you try on a different hat. Now we've got a fedora on, okay? So now I'm looking at myself with this hat on and I'm thinking, uh, no, that doesn't really suit me either. I'm gonna go for this pink velvet hat. And I put on the pink velvet hat, aha, this is the hat for me. So it's that kind of thing, you know, life is not just putting on the first hat and it just all working out. It's very rare that that happens. Would you agree with that? I think that's, um, it's a really important lesson to learn that you can't necessarily get it right the first time. And I think the thing that's interesting, it's like a domino effect when you make a decision. Um, all sorts of things can happen as a result of that, you know, that you weren't even expecting, that you could never have planned for, that you could never have envisaged, that you could never have foreseen. And often those situations and those outcomes are really, really positive. I've certainly experienced that myself, having moved to different countries. There's so many unknowns when you move from Asia to, to um, Europe and then Europe to Australasia and then back to Asia. I've done these moves so many times and you never quite know what's going to happen. And I kind of love that because I love change and I love variety. And I know that's not everybody's value set. But, you know, if, um, if it's not your value set and you find that kind of thing difficult, then I think the hat analogy is a great one. You're just going to try on the hat and see what happens. And you can always take it off. You can always change your decision. You can always do something different. Nothing ever is fixed in stone. So I digress slightly, as I do sometimes, but that's an important lesson in itself. 
So let's talk about some of the potential costs of analysis paralysis. Like what is analysis paralysis really costing you? Because it is costing you. It's costing you big time. Okay. So let's get really honest because when we get honest with ourselves, that's where we get the breakthroughs. That's where we get the big aha moments. That's where we go, oh, I can actually see what I'm doing here and I can change that pattern. That's the thing that's so exciting about getting consciously aware about what we're doing. We can change the pattern that we're in. But, you know, just some of the costs that I think are associated with overthinking and just kind of getting really kind of stuck down in all that detail. It's obviously wasted time. You're wasting time. Like the first client I talked about, she'd wasted five years thinking about whether to move into that leadership position. Definitely anxiety, burnout, stress, all of those things that come, those emotional kind of costs. Decision-making, you know, and maybe also, I think when we when we struggle with decision-making, it can also um, create a perception that we're not good at decision-making. That's also a cost. You know, if your bosses are seeing that you're not great at decision-making, that you are unable to kind of uh, make things happen quickly, that is also a cost. It's a perception cost. There are opportunity costs associated with it. You miss out on brilliant opportunities, both for you and for your career. There could be a loss of income. There could be a loss of status or title or job title um, and loss of stretch, loss of personal progress, loss of um, opportunity in your career by, by, by staying stagnant. So have a think about you know, what is this thing that you're procrastinating about, this analysis paralysis that you're doing? What is it costing you? Because there absolutely will be a cost. If you can put a dollar value on it, put the dollar value on it. If you can sort of quantify the time that you've wasted, put a time frame on that. If you've lost out on relationships as a result of it, put that down too. It's really important that we quantify the results that we get, whether they're positive results or not so positive results, because that is what's going to give you the, the oomph, the motivation to do something about it and to change the pattern, to break the pattern and to do something new. And I want to share with you today five different ways in which you can start challenging um, your thinking if you're a, a procrastinator, if you're somebody who does analysis paralysis, um, because I want you to start getting out of the pattern. I want you to start breaking through. OK, so get a piece of paper if you haven't already. We're going to talk about some Um, strategies right now. The first one that I wanted to share with you is this idea that when we do analysis paralysis, I think we often make assumptions. We guess, we imagine, we, um, you know, envisage all these kind of terrible scenarios that could potentially happen. So I want you to ask yourself what assumptions you're making. What assumptions am am I making right now about myself, about the opportunity that's kind of in front of me? What assumptions am I making? Because I can guarantee if you are stuck in some sort of form of analysis paralysis, there is some pain, there is some fear, there is some concern about what could potentially happen to you. So um, have a think about what those fears might be, and that will be wrapped up in the assumptions that you're making. The second thing that I think is really important to think about is to go much, much bigger picture. So right at the beginning, I was explaining analysis paralysis, where we kind of get stuck in fielding data, finding lots and lots of data, or we're kind of going down that belief route where we get lots and lots of beliefs and doubts and fears around what could potentially happen. It's just an overwhelm of stuff, right, that we, our brain is sort of saturated with, whether it's data, whether it's fears. So what I want you to think about is like you're climbing a mountain and you're surrounded by the fog. You know, you're that kind of level. You've done really well. You've got very high up the mountain and you're surrounded by a fog. 
And I wanted to come out of the fog. I wanted to go up the mountain, higher, 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 bigger picture. I wanted to go much, much bigger picture. Get your face and your head out of the fog and look down on where you've just climbed, look down on the data. And I want you to start thinking about the kind of purpose, the reason behind why you're doing this thing in the first place. Forget all the data, okay? The data's beneath you in that foggy cloud. Go to the top of the mountain, look down on it, and feel like you're getting clearer on the mission, the purpose, the reason for doing this in the first place. Because once we do that, it becomes a lot easier to make a decision because you're kind of saying to yourself, well, look, I know all the data. I've got all the data. I've done all the analysis. But like, what am I actually doing this for? What is the purpose of this? Am I, you know, doing this to kind of create this huge new opportunity for my career? Am I doing this because I want to, you know, give my whole family a whole new experience? You know, say you're moving country, for example. Have a think about what the bigger reason is, the bigger purpose. It's a very short, simple sentence, whatever that is. And that in itself can help you make a decision. Okay. The third one, which I think is a funny one, which comes back to my question, what are you waiting to know, is, you know, how much more data do you actually need? You know, you've, you've kind of done the analysis, you've done it already. And how much more do you need to know to be able to make the decision? How much more do you need? Because it, it's an, an infinite kind of process, right? You can constantly be looking for the data, constantly, constantly looking to expand the data, But is it going to give you any more information, any more certainty? Is it going to give you any more confidence that this is the right thing to do? Probably not. Probably not. So ask yourself, how much more data do I actually need? Probably none. (laughs) So the fourth um, technique that I want to share. Oh, I love this one. This is, um, I was just checking my notes. This one is a really interesting one. I love this question. And I've used this question so many times in coaching sessions. So it's this, what have you started... And you knew that the journey or the outcome was never going to be perfect. What would you do? It's a really great question. You know, we always are looking for this kind of perfect certainty. And the reality is, is there is none of either of those things. So I'm going to say that question again. What if you started this journey, you did this new thing, you took on the new role, you'd moved country, whatever it is that you've been procrastinating over. What have you started and you knew right from the outset that the journey and the outcome was always going to be imperfect? What then? Such a great question. Ask yourself that question, see what you come up with. And then the very last idea that I just want to share with you is just take that first step. Just have the conversation. Just say yes to the opportunity and see what comes up. Just take the first step. Rather than thinking about all the steps that have to happen, just take the first step and see what happens. So thank you so much for joining me. I love talking about the unconscious mind. I love talking about the things that are stopping you from moving forwards because these are the blockages that you need to shift if you want to be the most effective leader, if you want to be the most effective manager of people, if you want to just feel really certain and sure of yourself and build confidence in yourself, these are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves, getting really down deep in, under the surface and helping you really understand your, your own sort of um, patterns and your own ways of doing things. Because once you do that, you become so powerful because you can start changing your own uh, decision making so much more quickly and start just really enjoying all the opportunity that's out there. So listen, I'd love to connect with you. And I do have um, a beautiful free download. If you would like access to 
uh, the seven habits of female execs who get promoted. I have the most amazing resource that I would love to gift to you. All you have to do is go to rebeccasfreegift.com and you'll get access to that incredible download. It's one of our most popular downloads, actually. And it's just got so many practical tips. So if you're somebody who's been struggling to get promoted, if you've been procrastinating about how to do that, if you've been procrastinating about whether you're good enough or worthy enough or deserving enough of that opportunity, absolutely, I want you to get hold of your copy. So just go to rebeccasfreegift.com and you'll get the seven habits of female execs who get promoted. Have the most fantastic week, ladies, and I will see you really, really soon. 